Hi, this is episode 17 of the Viva La Diva podcast. I'm your host, Laura J. Ingalls, and it's time to dare you to unconditionally love yourself. I am such a combination of stressed and excited and feeling gratitude and frazzled and calm and like everything in between um, this week. Just three episodes ago, in episode 14, I told you all about all of these major transitions that had been happening in my life over the past year. I, you know, shared about my fabulous new full-time job, my new relationship, my new schedule, and so on and so on and blah, blah, blah. And today, I want to share with all of you that it's all changing again, (laughs) which is sometimes I think the pace of my life, it like goes in these big giant sprints and then everything kind of chills out for a little while. But anyway, um, so what's going on is that I've accepted an incredible new, um, incredible new job opportunity to do something that I'm very, very good at. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take a new job that is in the field of worksite wellness. That's what I used to do um, a couple of years ago for several years. And it is, I'm just so excited. And while this job means a lot of positive things for my career trajectory, my finances, my life, it also means leaving a job and people that I genuinely have enjoyed being around, which... um, Friday was my last day at that position. And it also means moving pretty far away from most of my friends and family. I'm going to be moving out into Western Massachusetts uh, from the Boston area. And don't get me wrong, I am completely certain that I'm going to love my funky new, they call themselves a city, but to me it seems so tiny. Um, But anyway, I'm sure I'm going to love this little funky town out in Western Mass. But change, even good change, as I'm pretty sure I talked about in episode 14, can be really, really stressful. Um, Financing a move, coordinating packing and unpacking, wrapping up the old job with like, you know, putting in my best effort and all my pride, taking care of um, all this business that I had to set myself up for a solid start at the new job. Um, You know, all the forms that you need to fill out, conversations that you need to have so that your day one is, you know, jumping off on the right foot so that it feels comfortable and natural. Um, You know, making time to see friends that I'm not going to see for a while. It's just all happening at once. And, but I'm getting through it. And I promise that this big transition will not be another massive disappearance from your podcast feed because if anything, I feel more inspired than ever to um, get my voice out there, to talk to all of you, to discover new possibilities. So stick with me while I try to make schedules work and find time to write and produce this podcast amidst all the craziness. So the the publishing schedule might be a little wacky for a while, but I'm not gone. Um, there's still going to be podcasts coming into your feed and I just, ugh, it's like crazy, but awesome, but crazy, but awesome. So in a, uh, and, and, to that point of feeling inspired, I just, through a stroke of amazing luck, um, on Thursday, like the day before my last day at my old job, I was given a very unexpected parting gift that is just so highly relevant to what I'm going to be talking about today because due to a call-in, my boss invited me to give a last-minute talk on nutrition to a group of cancer survivors and cancer patients that are participating in the Live Strong program 
at my old job. And so I the topic that I chose to share with them is the topic that I was planning on sharing with all of you today. It's the simple topic. It's greens. I had maybe five slides total that I was planning um, to give to them. And I had sort of mapped out about 20 minutes to show the slides and have a little discussion. And it ended up being about an hour that I spent with them. And the reason was that they had such amazing questions and they were so engaged in the conversation. And I realized, like I had this like aha moment, that it was because the information that I had to share with them It wasn't just like, oh, I want to learn more about food so that I can be healthy. It was that that what what I was teaching them about food was relevant to their actual survival. You know, they weren't there to learn how to lose five pounds. They weren't there to, you know, live their like live their best life or detox or whatever. They were there to actually get their lives back after cancer completely devastated their sense of what normal life is and really altered their own knowledge of their own bodies. They, um, they're they working in this program to find a new normal. They are getting back to exercise, getting um, getting new strength. And, um, and so even though I was there with a simple topic, it was really monumental. It's food. Um, and so... Uh, then, yeah, and then yesterday, this was so crazy. I just had this tr- again and totally unexpected interaction. Um, a chance that I had to speak and connect with a young woman who was about thirty years old who has lymphoma, and she immediately related to this new way in which my group understood the role of food and exercise in their lives. Because after her cancer diagnosis a year ago, she experienced a dramatic change with the way that she saw her body in the mirror and the relationship to the food that she ate every single day. It's it's life. Food is life. It's not size. And I actually think that that's true for all of us. So the information that I shared with them, I am going to share with you today. But unlike unlike that group, I'm going to keep it to the quick format that I had originally planned for class because this is our simple little podcast. And, um, and unfortunately, as sad as I feel about it, none of you are here in this room with me to ask all of your amazing, engaging, and smart questions, which I know that you all, all certainly have. Um, but I encourage you all to listen with ears that are open to the possibility um, of what food really could be for your life and for your body. I want you to think about what might be possible for you if the food that you ate gave you the power to create life, um, to have energy, to craft your moods, to build your health, and um, to give you a, a sense of vibrancy. So if instead of thinking about food as the thing that makes you bigger or smaller, it's just simply life. It's the, it's your fuel to keep moving every single day. Um, so when I give this presentation in work sites um, or when I would give them on the retreats that, that I used to run, um, when I would speak with women, I would call them greens are for goddesses. When I speak in corporate settings, I call it, you know, greens are for, I call it gutsy greens is actually what I call it because I talk a lot about gut health. Um, it's one of my favorite workshops to give because it's just so simple. Like there's really not a lot to it, but the concept is kind of revolutionary. Um, so veggies, right? 
we every single dietary plan, every single nutritionist I've ever worked with, every RD, every doctor, every, you know, um, like everybody talks about vegetables. I feel like if you say to somebody, are veggies good or bad for you? Every single person on this planet recognizes in a very organic way that vegetables are an important part of the human diet and that we all need to eat them. But I find that as I talk with people, that's pretty much where their knowledge stops. Uh, occasionally, a few people will say, oh, veggies have, you know, they're they're healthy and they have, you know, people kind of recognize like, oh, they have vitamins and minerals. Um, but they, but then when I say, okay, so what do those vitamins and minerals do? They, they don't really have a specific answer for me. Um, or when I say, you know, I'll get answers like, oh, they help you lose weight, which is not exactly true. Um, I mean, it, it can be true in a way just because vegetables are lower in calories than a lot of other foods. And if that's all you ate, you would be probably dramatically reducing your calorie intake. But that's not necessarily a, a good goal in and of itself. So, uh, you know, I sometimes will get answers like, oh, they have fiber in them. And then I say, okay, what's the benefit of fiber? And aside from bowel movements, there again, there's not too many other answers. And so, uh, so but the reality is veggies are actually a really big deal. Um, and that those vitamins and minerals and fiber that are inside of vegetables, in addition to the water that we ha get from our vegetable intake, these are really important for the f many, many functions of the human body. It's not just about the, you know, that they're lower in calories or they have some sort of like generalized health benefit or, you know, anything like that. It's that you know, we use things like beta carotene to make our eyes stronger and help have good vision. We use um, the minerals that we find in fruits and vegetables to help balance the pH in our blood, which keeps our heart beating, which keeps our muscles firing. Um, we get calcium out of our vegetables, which relates to so many functions of the human body. That's like one of the most important um, nutrients. And uh, especially runners lose a lot of calcium through the pounding of the pavement and through, um, you know, the firing of the muscles while they run. So getting a great source of calcium in your diet for, through fruits and vegetables is important. Um, things like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like vitamin A, vitamin C comes from fruits and vegetables. And the fiber that's in fruits and vegetables is really unique to other fibers that we find in, let's say, grains that uh, that's pretty important to the way that our body functions. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But um, fruits and veggies are really a lot more than just, you know, quote, healthy. They're absolutely critical to the function of the human body. So um, that's bad news for those of you that uh, tell me that you don't like vegetables, but um, I do really think that there is an element of being an adult that requires parenting yourself. Like, I don't like it. That's like something that you think of a little kid saying at the dinner table, and you have to be the parent that says, you know, tough, t tough. You're not allowed to get up from that seat until you finish those veggies. And um, in a way that we ha we have to be that way for ourselves because vegetables are genuinely that critical. I j I laugh all the time because I um, I tell this story a lot, and it's actually true. This is how I function. Um, on Thanksgiving Day, I love to indulge in really. All, every dish that gets served on Thanksgiving, I want mashed potatoes, I want stuffing, I want turkey, I want pie, I want, you know, everything that gets served. Um, there's not often a lot of veggies in Thanksgiving dinner at 
Uh, I've noticed at a lot of people's homes, um, there tends to be some veggies on the plate at at my family functions, but still not anywhere close to the, you know what I eat. And usually they're lathered in butter or maple syrup or who knows what else. Um, but in the morning, what I do when I wake up is I have a salad for breakfast. And everybody always laughs in my workshops when I share that information. But it's totally true because just because, you know, it's Thanksgiving doesn't mean that my body doesn't still need vegetables in order to function. And so instead of, you know, eggs and toast or whatever else I, you know, may have for breakfast on a given day, I will start off the day with a salad because I know that there's probably not going to be that many veggies once I get to my actual Thanksgiving meal, which is going to be the main meal of the day. And so I get that in at breakfast. That's how important um, things like leafy greens and vegetables are. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm not joking around here. This is serious stuff. So what else about vegetables? Well, uh, the most interesting, in my opinion, research that is going on around veggies these days has to do with the microbiome and gut health. So what the heck is that? Uh, <laughs> so when we talk about the gut microbiome, what we're talking about is all that healthy bacteria that lives in the lining of the gut, in our intestines, our small intestines, our large intestines. We have a symbiotic relationship with certain types of bacteria that live inside our bodies. And this bacteria plays an incredibly important role in the function of our bodies. We uh, we actually, they've, scientists have actually discovered that the the types of um, bacteria that live in the lining of the gut actually releases hormones that we once thought were produced by the human body, but that actually seem to be produced in pretty significant amounts by the bacteria in the gut. And those hormones are serotonin, dopamine, and GABA. And those hormones play a huge role in uh, mood. And they are incredibly important for people who suffer from depression. Um, the levels of those hormones, you know, can, can mean the difference in, you know, the very types of thoughts that, that keep them surviving and alive from day to day. And when it comes to mental health, um, doing doing everything in your power to have a healthy gut microbiome can, can make a big difference. Um, I, I caution people who will try to tell people, tell everybody like, oh, a good healthy gut microbiome will cure your depression. I don't see any evidence that that is true. What I see is that my friends who suffer with depression, um, that their, that the health of their gut microbiome and what they eat every day definitely plays a role in how they manage their depression. But they're, you know, amazing humans that have depression and there's nothing to be embarrassed about about that. And, um, and I would never presume to minimize their experience down to, you know, just making a quick dietary change. But um, I have a friend who has depression who one day she like recognized that when she has candy bars, she wakes up the next morning having suicidal thoughts and that when she put that together, it was like pow, like this major aha moment that really dramatically changed the way that she eats and the things that she, you know, when she's trying to figure out why she feels the way she feels on a given day when it's so dramatically different from how it was the day before, um, you know, she's starting to put the pieces together of how her unique body just handles the food that she eats. And it's been really, really interesting to kind of follow her on that journey um, of her own experience with her her body. Um, and like 
every single one of us, you know, our bodies are unique and our bodies respond to food a little bit differently, each person. And so, uh, so that's just my word of caution, I guess, uh, against like crazy claims about, you know, this will cure that disease or this or that. Um, but what I am going to share with you is what we do know about the microbiome and gut health and that there is a difference in the types of bacteria that can grow inside of the gut and how they release those hormones and in what volumes they release those hormones. So there's um, cer- certain bacteria that thrives on things like sugar, and uh, and that bacteria releases those hormones of serotonin, dopamine, and GABA in one particular ratio, whereas the um, gut bacteria that thrives and survives on inulin fiber found in fruits and vegetables releases those hormones in a completely different amount. And that the ones that thrive, the gut bacteria that thrives on that inulin fiber is actually the volume, like the ratio that's associated with really great health. And so, um, that is one major reason why we want to have fruits and vegetables in our diet. The other thing is, is that when we don't eat enough fruits and vegetables to really keep that gut bacteria alive and robust, that it, you know, so this bacteria sort of sits and lives within the lining around our intestines, okay? And that lining is really important because it is the barrier between the food that's being digested and uh, the bloodstream, our bloodstream that then takes those nutrients once they're all broken down and distributes them around our body where our body, you know, can then make use of those nutrients. And so that barrier plays a really important role in keeping out any food particles that we aren't actually going to use and turn you know sends them along in the body to turn them into waste and and get them out of our our system and the nutrients that we can turn into life blood bones muscles um, hormones and uh, and the like and so that that lining that barrier um, is is living in a really close relationship with the bacteria that lives all over it. And what happens is that when our gut bacteria is starved and it doesn't have anything to eat and it's dying off, you know, like like any living organism that is starving, it starts to turn to eating things in an attempt to stay alive that it might not otherwise eat. And that includes this this lining. And so the bacteria will actually eat holes into the lining of the gut and that can create what's known as leaky gut syndrome, which is a condition where, you know, that barrier that protects the body from, you know, substances that shouldn't get through it, it has holes in it. And so this condition can be very, very irritating to the lining of the gut, it can be very irritating to other um, parts of the body as those toxins that should be passing out of the system kind of leak through a little bit and create a lot of havoc inside the body. And that can all be prevented through, you know, really good uh, dietary habits when it comes to fruits and vegetables. Um, so that's just, these are just a couple of different, um, you know, 
things that we've learned over the years that we know that this is a huge piece of our immune system. We know that it is, um, like I said, related to mood. It's related to bowel movements. It's related to all kinds of things. Um, and that is that the best way to have like a thriving gut microbiome is through eating the a, a lot of fruits and vegetables. There are some studies that have said, you know, you want 10 servings of fruits and veggies a day, which is an awful lot uh, when compared to people who maybe don't eat fruits and vegetables a lot. They can't possibly imagine eating that much fiber, nor is that, I think, a very good idea because if you don't have enough gut bacteria that's there ready to eat all this fiber, that can be really, really rough on your digestive tract. But um, what it does mean is that slowly starting to add in fruits and veggies to your diet, you know, maybe starting with like the one, two, three rule where you have one serving of a fruit or vegetable at breakfast, two servings at lunch, and maybe trying to squeeze in three servings at dinner, um, that that might be a more appropriate course of action than immediately jumping right into 10. But um, an oatmeal also is like one really great green source if you like oatmeal, um, that there's a lot of inulin fiber in oatmeal it's, that can be really really good. Um, one of my uh, and and then the next task that has to do with fruits and vegetables is trying to do everything that we can to keep that that gut bacteria healthy um, beyond just the diet that we keep. And we want to introduce you know as much of that good bacteria into our bodies as we can. Um, and so one of my one of the uh, experts that I uh, have have very often referred people to is the work of Dr. Robin Chutkan and her website is gutbliss.com and I will post that into the show notes. Um, but she has this three-pronged approach that she suggests on her website that I think is um, really good. Again, you know, everything within within reason, I will completely admit as I launch into this, that there are some of these things that I do on occasion just because I live in the modern world and we can't get away from every single thing. But um, I try my best to, to follow these, these suggestions. So the first, um, it's like three R's. She has remove, replace, and restore. So in the remove category, um, she says to remove medications such as antibiotics, acid suppressors, NSAIDs, which are things like Advil and Aleve, birth control pills, hormone therapy, steroids. And it was really, really interesting and, and actually quite humorous to talk about this with our cancer patients because a lot of them rely on things such as uh, hormone therapy and steroids to keep them alive. And so we all had a good laugh about that. And our conclusion was you have to do the things that you need to do to keep yourself alive and then we'll deal with your gut health second. And then just because you have to be on these things doesn't mean that you're destined to a life of ruined gut at all. Um, it just means that you want to be even more proactive in the areas where you can be to try to keep that, that gut health alive. Um, and I will admit that I... Um, you know, if I get strep throat, I am taking antibiotics, and but then I'm going to take measures that um, that will help me to replenish that gut bacteria afterwards. Or um, like, you know, when I had surgery, I certainly wanted the doctor to have a sterile site within which to cut me open. And so, um, so you know, obviously, reason um, and and good sense needs to go in here, um, but. But again, just this is just 
what research has shown that these types of um, medications can disrupt the gut health, uh, like the, the bacteria in the gut. Um, we want to remove hygiene practices such as hand sanitizer, showering too frequently with soap and shampoo, and doing things like closing your off, closing yourself off from nature. So all of you germaphobes, I got bad news for you. It's being a little bit dirty is actually a pretty good thing. Uh, homes that have pets in them, dogs and cats and the like, actually the, the families that have pets tend to have more robust gut microbiomes than those that don't. Um, the germs that our pets carry in is actually wildly healthy for us. Um, so that's a really interesting and fun little detail. Um, and, uh, you know, um, but, you know, again, that said, if I am going to the bathroom in a porta potty and there is no uh, access to anything to rinse my hands off after I use the bathroom, you bet your butt that I am using a squirt of hand sanitizer. I just do not engage in using hand sanitizer every single day. I don't use antibacterial soap in my bathroom um, or in the shower. So, uh, so that's some, something to think about. Um, and we want to remove foods that are high in sugar, starches, and processed foods. That These are all damaging to the gut microbiome. Um, and we want to use as few household and personal care products that contain like heavy chemicals. And that's, again, I throw on some gloves and I clean my bathroom with... Um, with bleach and same for my kitchen sink. And I, you know, but I try not to get too much of that on my skin. And because, you know, I don't want to kill off the bacteria that is living in my skin that gets, you know, on my, on my hands, around my mouth, down into my gut. I want those, I want that good bacteria um, to get there and, and live inside my body. Um, then replace. We want to replace this is the second R. We want to replace the essential bacteria that we've lost with live bacteria in the form of a robust probiotic. Now, um, I love this topic because I, I, most of the probiotics that we buy over the counter at, you know, CVS or, you know, wherever are actually not clinically proven to make much of a difference in the in the life of the bacteria in our gut. You know, Activia yogurt does not perform as well as what it claims on television in its advertisements. I know that might be a shocker to all of you, but it's actually true. Um, additionally, taking a probiotic and not adjusting your, your diet to provide that bacteria with the food that it needs to live, i.e. fruits and vegetables um, and, and good fiber, is counterproductive. You're going to put bacteria into the gut and then not give it any food to live, it's all going to die. And, and that's that. Um, the bad news in this area is that you really do pay for what you get. A cheap, um, the the price of products really does seem to line up with the efficacy. The There is um, a, a couple of brands that I have come across over the years um, that have been clinically proven to restore the um, the gut microbiome in people, uh, and one of them is a product called VSL Number Three, and I found that through um, through 
Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who has a podcast and a website, and she's a um, geneticist and a researcher on aging, and she's brilliant. Um, but I, that one, I have um, bothered investing money in and trying around and loved it. And um, that one's been clinically proven. There are a few others out there. Um, but uh, be careful with what you buy because this is an area where you actually do pay for what you get. And um, the ones that seem to be really effective are expensive um, in the $100, $130 range for a month supply, like very expensive, um, but worthy if you are really struggling with with um, any kind of gut issues. They're, they are definitely helpful. Um, and restore. So we want, that's the third R. So we want to restore the health of the gut with lots of plant fiber, um, prebiotic fermented food. So that is things like sauerkraut and kimchi. Um, super popular right now is kombucha, although you have to watch the sugar, um, added sugar in a lot of kombuchas that we find on the, you know, they're, they're popular, but like anything that gets popular, um, kombucha is a fermented product. It is, it tastes like alcohol. You know, it's like the first time you ever drank wine and it tastes a little funky. And so a lot of companies, because it's so popular and they want to sell it, they try to counteract that that flavor by adding sugar and that is counterproductive. We do not want to be drinking kombucha with added sugar. So watch for that. And um, and then we want to have lots of nutrient-dense foods like leafy greens, um, fruits, vegetables, and oats to really, really keep that bacteria that you uh, that you might be trying to re- replace with a probiotic. We want to keep it alive and healthy and good. So definitely check out um, Dr. Chuck Han's website and read everything that she's talked about um, because it can be really, really interesting and educational. Uh, so to kind of address you know what she says, like lots of leafy greens, the uh, greens are the, actually the number one food missing from most diets um, in this in the standard American diet. We do not eat anywhere near enough leafy greens, and leafy greens are not necessarily just m- m- tied to having a salad. Although that's certainly the easiest and most readily available source of leafy greens, especially if you eat out with any frequency. Um, but there are all kinds of leafy greens, from spinach to Swiss chard, and to be perfectly frank. Um, Everybody's been on the kale craze for the last several years, but kale is not the be-all and end-all of greens. If you don't like kale, it's not the end of the world. And by me saying you need more leafy greens, I am not saying go down every single piece of kale that you can find anywhere. As a matter of fact, um, eating too much raw kale is actually can be problematic because it has something called gordyrogens in it, and that can slow down um, the thyroid function of certain individuals, and myself included. I actually like get really, really cold and start having hormonal problems if I've had too much kale in my diet. So um, there are lots of, and, and actually in terms of nutrient density, um, <laughs> there's actually more dense nutrients in romaine lettuce than there is in kale. Not to say that kale is bad. It's not. Certainly, I'm. if you love it, eat it, and that's fine. Um, but all things in moderation, but... Um, but like trying to identify like the super green or the best one to eat is actually quite a ridiculous practice. They all have different nutrients in varying levels. They're all good. They all contain water and fiber and minerals and vitamins. And so finding the ones that you like and preparing them in a way that tastes good to you is really important. I've actually joked around in my workshops that if you have to cover your leafy greens in chocolate in order to get them down, I would rather have you do that than not eat leafy greens at all. And so... um, 
they're, you know, test around. Like, a, you know, a really easy way to get used to the flavor of leafy greens is like to saute them a little bit with olive oil and onions and garlic because everything tastes good with olive oil and onions and garlic. And I know that my raw foodie friends might be horrified at that recommendation, you know, and feel like they need to eat everything raw in order to get the best nutrients. But again, if you are a person who's just getting used to these foods and trying them for the first time and finding, looking for ways to get them into your diet, um, there, it's better to have them in a way that tastes palatable, delicious, and wonderful that you can work into the foods that you already love to eat easily than to not eat them at all because you feel like you have to choke them down raw. Um, and re- the reality is, is that there are a lot of fruit, vitamins and minerals in um, fruits and vegetables that are something called fat-soluble vitamins which means that you only gain access to them if you have also have fat in your diet. So putting a little bit of olive oil um, in with your veggies is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, not only can it make it taste better, you know, a little butter on that, uh, on those, you know, steamed or sauteed greens, but also it can um, make them healthier. Like, imagine that. Woo, tastes better and healthier. I love that. Um, so... Some greens that are very uh, nutritionally greens, they're just they're just a power packed food. They are high in calcium, um, which we've already talked about. Magnesium, which you know can uh, magnesium is, is like people who are low in magnesium are subject to migraines and headaches, sleep problems, um, hormone crazy hormone fluctuations. Like it makes it tough to have good bowel movements. Like magnesium is. Uh, an amazing, amazing nutrient. And the number one source of magnesium is leafy greens. That um, We get iron from leafy greens, potassium, phosphorus, zinc. Um, potassium, phosphorus, and zinc are uh, like super important for, um, and magnesium too, uh, super important for our immune system. It's, it's how one of the mechanisms by which our immune system functions. And so uh, very, very powerful food. Um, Vitamins A, C, E, K, they're loaded with fiber, folic acid. So any woman that's ever had to take um, prenatal vitamins knows folic acid is one of the main main, uh, main nutrients that is inside those prenatal vitamins. It's super important for the growth of a fetus. So um, folic acid, chlorophyll, lots of other m- micronutrients and phytochemicals found in leafy greens. So if you have to pick a place to start with veggies, I suggest like finding any way you can to get leafy greens into your diet. In other words, greens are one of the most important foods that you can eat. Um, I am, uh, I'm, and I suggest that we learn to find ways to eat our greens and our vegetables in whole food sources. So while I will agree that for some of my friends who really are struggling with digestion um, and digestive disorders that I that juice can be wildly important for their survival. Um, for most of us, the fiber that we get out of the fruits and vegetables is as important as the juice itself. And to make green juices more palatable, we have a tendency to add a lot of fruit juice um, to those smoothies and, and, you know, juices, you know, we'll put like apples and pineapples and things in them. And those, the juice from fruits without the accompanying fiber and bulk that comes from eating the actual fruit can actually contribute to higher blood sugar, which contributes to high cholesterol, diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. So we want to really, like, I'm really not a like go juice everything person. Um, 
unless that is the only way for you to get some of these vitamins and minerals into your body because you have a digestive disorder. But for the most part, most of us can uh, do much better by our bodies by just eating, finding ways to eat them whole. Um, uh, so I that is my uh, presentation for the day. And we are going to leave it there. I... Um, as always, if you get excited by um, these kind of topics, oh, I almost forgot. I so here's my here's where I'm actually I'm going to leave it. I'm going to challenge you, each and every one of you, um, between now and my next podcast, to pick out a leafy green that you really love, and if you got like a great recipe or something like that, um, share it with me on Twitter at LJ Ingles or you know snap a photo on Instagram and, and tag me because I'd love to see it. Um, I want to challenge you to try any vegetable, and I here's what I want you to do. Um, if you're up for trying greens, great. If you if not, if it's just a new veggie, go for that. There's recipes all over the place of how to make fruit, fruits and vegetables. Well, well, specifically vegetables taste delicious, um, and so. Uh, but I but I want you to try something new, and I want you to use. Um, this rule, the rule of three that I have when it comes to trying new things. And the rule of three is that you have to try something three times before you're allowed to say that you don't like it. So for the first three times that you try a new food, um, you only get to have two answers. One, which is, oh my gosh, I really like this. And two, which is, well, I didn't die. And, um, and as long as you didn't die, you know you can eat it again. And I'm not talking like you let it touch your tongue just for like a second and then you're like, ew, like you actually have to eat it eat it all the way down, choke it down. You're a big kid. You're not a little kid. You know, you're an autonomous adult. You can do this. And, um, and you want to try it three times because a lot of times it are, when our body encounters something new or when our taste buds encounter something new or unfamiliar, the immediate reaction is, I don't know what this is, bad. And so it sends signals to our brain that's like, no, 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 ick, 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 get it out. And that is not necessarily, um, how it, how our brain is going to react to that flavor forever. Uh, it's it's kind of like getting used to wine and beer. It takes a few times of encountering that flavor for our brain to register like, oh, no, this is, this is actually good. It's a good thing. And so on the fourth time of trying something, and that's not four bites in one meal, that's like three separate meals and then a fourth meal, if you still don't like it after the fourth time, then you're allowed to say, okay, this this food is not for me. And so I'm, I'm going to challenge all of you to try a new green, use the rule of three, and uh, and share it with me. I want to see your photos on Instagram. I love food photos. So that. That's where we're going to leave it. So if you loved this episode, please subscribe, rate it on iTunes, share it with your friends, post it on social media. I like that makes all the difference to me. I don't put any, you know, I don't, I don't have any advertisers that give me money to do this. I have, uh, this is all just me from my basement sharing information with all of you, sharing my voice and my thoughts, my expertise. Um, so recommend me to your friends. Um, if you leave me a rating on iTunes, that is, oh my God, I appreciate it so much. Um, it, and comments and and reviews and things like that helps people to find me and uh, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram again. That's at LJ Ingles I N G A L L S. Um, you can go visit my website l uh, larajingles.com. All my podcast episodes are there. My book, uh, my new blog, and you can sign up for my newsletter. And uh, until next time, everybody. Pray for me that I get through the next couple of weeks of moving and craziness. And 
Viva la Diva. 